the theme of tonight really for me is remodeling youth group. Uh, and I want to just be really honest with you. And, and I want to take a moment to talk to you like you're not a small child. Because I think that most likely this past year has been maybe one of the most difficult times of your entire life. Uh, and I'm not just talking about COVID. Of course, that brings a lot of, of difficulties and struggles into our lives. But on top of that, you live in a time where social media culture is toxic. You, you live in a time where politics are basically nothing but toxic. Right? There was a time when I was your age where like, you could find kind of a political party and be okay. And, and now you can't like, do that at all. I mean, it's, it's all just toxic. And if you stand for one thing, someone stands very strongly against you. If you believe one thing, someone believes very strongly the opposite of what you believe. And then on top of that, you're living in a time where there are a lot of cultural changes. There are a lot of pressures against you, even to the point where you're being asked to redefine what a, a, a boy or a girl is. There are a lot of things happening in the world around you. And on top of all of that, maybe the most difficult thing happening in your entire life is the fact that you are a teenager. And being a teenager is difficult. It's hard. Like, I get it. I was one a long time ago. And it wasn't easy then. And I, I can guarantee you it's harder now than it was for me. I was never asked to give an answer to some of the questions you're being asked. I, I, I never went through something that lasted for as long as COVID-19 outside of the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And honestly, most of that didn't really affect me until I joined the army and went to Afghanistan. But every day, there's something in your face. There's something difficult. And life has for all of us, but for you in particular, it's been really, really hard. And most likely, you're not the same person today. You do realize that it's, it's March of 2021. And we started all of this basically in March of 2020. A year ago, this month, we went into lockdown. You, you didn't do the normal things that you once did. And I don't know if you're like me, but when we went into lockdown, I was like, I thought this, like something like this could never happen. And it did. And so most likely you're not the same person that you, you were. There have been a lot of things that have changed in your life. But I want to let you know that there is one thing that no matter what happens, no matter what comes into your life, no matter what you face, there is one thing that cannot change. There's one thing that's worth fighting for with all that you have and all that you are. And it's not your faith because you have no control over that. Whether you walk away from this place, and I hate to be morbid, get hit by a bus, or whether you walk away and live many, many years and die an old person, if God has saved you, you can't change that. The one thing that must not change is your community, your commitment to living out your faith with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the one thing that no matter what comes into your life, whether it be COVID-19 or some new political pressure on the church, one thing must remain, gathering together. Hebrews chapter 10 explains to us why that's true. So Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And that's Jesus. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, 
as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All right, so there are two important truths from this short, short passage of scripture. The first is this, hold fast. So the author, he starts out this section by saying, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised, that's Jesus, is faithful. So what we are being called to is to have hope in the work of Jesus. That is to have hope in the gospel that is steadfast, that the truth of the gospel, the message of the gospel, no matter what happens in our life, is one of the things that we grip so tightly that it affects everything that we do. Let me explain by, by using a, a picture. So we're getting ready to go to Six Flags, and you, you know how like there are those people who are just absolutely terrified of roller coasters? Well, there's also a subset of people who are terrified, and usually they're guys, and they're, uh, they're like, yeah, what's up? I'm going to hop on this roller coaster. And they go, they get in line, um, they seem fine, and you're like, oh yeah, let's go to the front. That's, the front's the best. And they're like, no, nah, I'm going to go to the back. And then you go, um, and then on the roller coaster this whole time, you hear like this like four-year-old girl screaming. And you're like, where is this four-year-old girl? And then you get off and everyone runs to see the pictures and everyone that's not scared of roller coasters, they're like, oh, look at me. And they're like in the loop and they're like, I'm so not scared that I sleep during the loop. There just happens to be a camera, right? We all do that. And then in the very back is the tough dude and his hands are in the air. He's screaming, but then you can also tell he's simultaneously passing out. I think what is happening here in, in the book of Hebrews is it's telling us to hold fast to the hope of the gospel, but in a way that isn't hidden, right? It's not, okay, well, yeah, you know, you're a gospel person, but you're, you only need to identify yourself as a gospel person when you're in the back of the roller coaster and you got to scream. What Hebrews is saying is, no, you, you hold to the gospel so severely that you're the person that you're getting on the bus here at 8.30 and you're like, I'm terrified. And we're like, we're not even there. I'm just so scared of the roller coasters, right? You, you out yourself. You're a gospel person. You own it. It's who you are. You're going to let the world know. You're not going to stop talking about it. You're going to be the annoying person. You're like, anyone want some Dramamine? Right? It's like, why do you have so much Dramamine? I'm the scared person. Right? Everybody knows you're the scared person. There's no question in the room who the scared person is. Well, that's the way we are to embrace the gospel. We are, we are to hold fast to it in a way that exposes us to the world. So when people look at Tyler Kirkpatrick, they see someone who is a confessor of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and not just in a way that gets exposed when things are like difficult or whatever, but like at every moment of my life, I am a gospel person. I hold fast to the confession of the gospel. But here's the kicker. It makes us vulnerable in the world. You're, you're going to be the person that the world looks at and, and hones in on and attacks. You're the type of person that the world wants to take out. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important to hold fast to the hope of the gospel, because the world is going to do everything that it can to crush you and to extinguish the light of the gospel in your life. It's what it does. And so we are called as believers in Jesus Christ to at every cost uphold the entire truth of God's word. One of the things I want you to realize as you contend for the word of God, as you live a life that is driven by God's word and God's truth, you have to understand that Satan is not going to take you out in, in one fell swoop. 
He, he's not going to come into your life and just crush you, and all of a sudden you're like an atheist. He's going to come in, and he's going to attack you bit by bit by bit. What Satan does is, so, so think of like a pack of gazelles. We're the gazelles. Congrats. A herd, a pack, a flock, whatever they are. And Satan is kind of like a, a, a flock of cheetahs, right? Well, how does a herd or pride or whatever of cheetahs attack a, I don't know, how do cheetahs kill gazelles? I don't know what they are. How do they do it? Well, what they do is they don't run into a like massive thing of gazelles and just start taking everyone out. They look and they find the one who's kind of already on the fringe and then they isolate and then they isolate and then they isolate and then they attack. Satan doesn't just come into your life and in one fell swoop erase everything that the Lord has done. He gives you a lie and then he gives you another lie and then he gives you another lie and then he gives you another lie and he will do this to you for the rest of your life. And the goal is is to isolate you from the community, from the body of believers, so that eventually that lie starts to feel like truth. And when that lie starts to feel like truth, Satan pounces. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is, you have to, with everything that you have in your whole life, hold fast to the gospel, to the truth of God's word, because Satan is coming into your life and he's trying to pull you away. And if you don't have a firm grasp on the word of God, then compromise may actually come into your life. And so as we hold fast to the gospel, one of the things that happens, they tell us, is that we end up not becoming so focused on ourselves, thinking, oh man, am I the gazelle? Am I the one that's being isolated from everyone? When we actually hold fast to the gospel and see the importance of community, we end up looking around at everyone else. So the gospel truth actually propels us, it encourages us to be sacrificial in the way we love. And we look out for one another. We look out for the weak gazelles that are running around in the pack, and we kind of go out and say, no, come, come back in. I, I notice you haven't been at youth in a while. Hey, what's, what's going on? Come back this Sunday. As we hold fast to the gospel, we end up realizing exactly what he says here. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. And so the second truth is, first truth is hold fast. Second truth is stir one another up. And he uses this word consider. And so what we need to understand is like, especially like about Crosspoint Youth and Sunday morning services, is our primary purpose in being here is not necessarily for us, but it's so we can see how to love others well. When you're driving to CPY on Sunday evening, your first thought shouldn't be like, man, I, I really hope the games aren't stupid. Because guess what? At least one of two are going to be stupid. Your, your second thought shouldn't be, man, I really hope my group of friends is there. Because there's going to be some of them who aren't here. Your thought as you come here, according to the book of Hebrews, is with an eye for other people. Who, who can I talk to? Who can I reach out to this Sunday that I've never talked to in CPY in my life? Who could I encourage? Who could I get to know better? You know, there's this one kid and he always kind of seems to sit by himself. You know, this Sunday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go talk to him. I'm going to invite him to come play Nine Square. 
That's what the book of Hebrews is telling us. That we're not coming primarily for ourselves. That certainly is something that we're coming for. We're coming to sit under the word of God, to be encouraged by one another. But what the Bible says is as you encourage people, you receive mutual encouragement. Because if you're looking out for people, that means there is a whole host of people looking out for you. And so as we grow closer together, we actually will grow more and more into the image of Jesus. As we care for one another, as we consider others higher than ourselves, we actually end up being more like Jesus than we are ourselves because we are naturally selfish. And listen, young friend, you are being trained to be selfish. If you have Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or any of the other things that I'm not even aware of, you're being trained to be selfish. Every time I get on Instagram, I'm looking to see if there's anyone else that has liked my post. Not even because I care that much, but because it's just what my brain does. What's the little heart say? Is there a little notification there? Who was it? Oh, you? Cool. Don't care. It's what we're being trained to do. And we're being trained to go through our our social media feeds and to like and withhold likes, to comment and withhold comments, because in our sinful fallen state, we are selfish. But the Bible says as you grow in the gospel, as you hold firm to the truth of God's word, you will actually end up being others-focused more than you focus on yourself. And as you care for others, and as others care for others, you will actually be cared for, not by yourself, but by your brothers and sisters. And I can tell you that receiving a present from someone is really awesome. Don't you think, like, when someone just gives you, okay, so I had this tea thing, kombucha. I don't even know what it's called. It's got these weird little gummy bears in the bottom, but I had some friends bring me some tea because last week I was like, what is that? And I'm like, what are those things floating around in the bottom? And so this week they were like, hey, you should try it. We went and bought you this. And I'm like, that's so kind of you. When people look out for you, when people care for you, when people extend love to you, it, it, it changes you because you experience just a little bit of what it is to know Jesus you experience a little bit of what it is to know Jesus. And someone caring for you when maybe you don't deserve it, someone caring for you when you feel like a failure, someone caring for you when you feel like you have destroyed your life, because that's how Jesus loves us. He doesn't love us for who we are or what we've done. He simply loves us because he looks out for us. He considers us higher than himself, which is insane to think about. And so what I want you to understand is that CPY, Crosspoint Youth, it's not about coming here and then making sure that we all have a, a swell Monday. If you come here thinking, man, I really hope that youth is fun enough to make Monday like not so lame, you're in the wrong place because you're coming to a room full of sinners who hopefully are confessing that they're sinners, right? This is not, a, um, this, this is not like a bounce house. This is a hospital. This is a hospital where we can come and have our wounds tended to and where we can tend to other people's wounds. That's what this is. And praise the Lord in his kind providence, we get to do that while we slam dodgeballs into people's face and eat pizza, but it's what we do. And so it's not about having a better Monday. It's not about leaving, feeling good about ourselves, thinking, you know, man, I was having a lousy day and, you know, youth just made me feel real warm inside. That's not going to help either because Monday is coming. If you feel warm tonight, wait till your test tomorrow. But what, what the author of Hebrews tells us in verse 25 is really, really important. If you haven't heard anything else, hear this. 
Why is it important that the one thing that doesn't change in our life is the gathering of God's people? The gathering of believers in Jesus Christ, the the gathering of our friends who have not yet believed, why is that so important? Well, number one, it's the place where we live out the gospel together. But number two, and I think extremely important for us, comes in verse 25. Let's read 24 and 25 for the context. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The reason you need to gather is because there is a day coming where we will stand before the Lord. There is a day coming where we will stand before the Lord. And the only way that we are going to find ourselves in heaven is first by faith in Jesus Christ And then secondly, with our brothers and sisters, we are on this journey together and it can be as difficult as you want it to be. But if we are going to hold fast to the gospel, if we are going to stir one another up for the day that everything ends, then we have to gather. We have to encourage. We have to be encouraged. Okay, so what do we do? I have, I have three things. What do we do about this? How how do we make this who Crosspoint Youth is? Well, number one, I think we have to fight to make gathering and relationships a priority. We have to fight to make gathering and relationships a priority. What I want you to understand is that this is really hard work. It's really hard and it's really uncomfortable because there are people in this room that you have nothing in common with, right? My good friend Andy Mullins is back there and he runs marathons all the time. I haven't ran since I was like seven years old. One of the things that Andy and I have in common is that we are brothers in Christ and we enjoy one another's company. I don't really know if he likes all of the things I like. I certainly don't like all the things he likes because I don't like marathons. But that's not the substance of our relationship. The substance of our relationship is being brothers in Christ and more than anything, wanting to do life with one another because we have the most important thing in common. But it's hard work and it takes time and effort. And, and by the way, the things that are the most difficult and that are most important to you, you give time to them, right? You know that. Some of the most difficult things in your life, you spend a lot of time doing those things. I mean, how many of y'all play an instrument, right? You didn't just pick it up and were some prodigy and like you're writing songs like Beethoven. No, you're still like, playing scales and learning chords, and you actually probably can't read sheet music, but you act like you can. I know some of you can, calm down. But it takes effort and it takes time, and it's never easy. And you're, you're going to have to give yourself over to this. And so I, I want to encourage you to get to know one another. Find somebody that you've never met and get to know them. Why on earth would you not do that? Other than social media tells you that you can be real friends with people and actually not really be friends with them. What I'm telling you is when you come into this room, you need to make real friends with people that you otherwise wouldn't be friends with. I want to encourage you to invite your your unchurched friends. Now, don't go around to like different youth groups and like some Sunday be like, hey, y'all, your youth group's awesome. By the way, come to Crosspoint Youth next Sunday. Peace, right? Don't like go snipe people from other youth groups. Invite your friends who don't go to church into this place so they can hear the message of the gospel, so we can count them as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And then I think probably most importantly on this point, put yourself out there. Be vulnerable. What do you have to hide? If you think you have skeletons in your closet, I can guarantee you that all of the adults in the room have more than you simply because we've lived longer. I'm not telling you to go air out all of the things in your life, but I'm just saying be a little bit transparent, be vulnerable, get to know somebody. That's what church is. It's primarily the ministry of the gospel. Secondarily, it's just weird. You have committed yourself to coming into this room and listening to this weird bearded man preach out of this book that was written thousands of years ago and make the claim that I believe all of it was spoken by God and every word is true and leads to eternal salvation, right? What we're doing is not normal to the world. So what does stepping out of your comfort zone and talking to someone you otherwise wouldn't talk to, how does that level things up much more? And so I just want to encourage you, don't settle for uh, relationships that have no real substance in reality. If you're best friends with someone on social media and then you come into this room and don't talk to them, FYI, you're not friends. That's not a real friendship. A real friendship is being able to come into this place and someone saying, hey, um, I saw what you posted on social media. Kind of seems like maybe that wasn't the right thing to say. That's substance. Like throwing out a fire emoji or queen here and there. That's nice, but it's not real. Don't settle for that. Don't let that be all of the relationships that you have. Uh, Secondly, we need to realize that the world wants to derail us and destroy us. So here's the thing. That's, That's not an exaggeration. If you're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, the world wants to destroy us. The world wants to destroy us. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the world wants to destroy us. And what I want to tell you is that your only chance of withstanding the world is to be grounded in the word of God, to week after week come and sit under God's word, and then to lock arms with one another and fight, fight sin that exists in the world, fight sin and the pressures that you face at school. You are only going to be able to fight them successfully if you have brothers and sisters to your left and right that you have committed to fight this fight with you. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to know what to believe if you don't sit under God's word. The next new thing that our culture comes up with and and pushes into your brain you're not going to know what to think about that if you don't have something to test it against. You're going to be like a ship at sea with no sail. And the next wave that comes through, you're going to be like, well, I guess I should probably just ride this wave. No, we need the word of God to guide us and propel us and to give us a clear direction, right? The church is not just about me. The church is not just about coming here and taking and consuming and receiving the church is about coming to this place to learn who it is you're fighting with, right? You, you should see yourselves as a group of, of kids in a foxhole. And to your left and to your right, you're all fighting the same enemy. And whenever you see the enemy coming from over here and your, your friend on your right doesn't see it, you address the enemy. You protect your friend. And then your friend is going to see the enemy over here and they're going to protect you. But you can't do that if you think you can fight this fight by yourself. And then number three. It, it may be that the kids in your small group are your mission field. I want you to understand, young believer, it may be that the kids in your small group are your mission field, where you come week after week and you think, man, I'm the only saved kid in my group. Here's the thing, that might be true. So here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to make it weird. I don't want you to be like, well, I just wanted you all to know today that I've got some gospel tracks for you. Uh, We'll be turning to the book of Romans and considering something called the Romans road, right? Like, no, that's, 
you have a small group leader. Don't be weird. But you need to realize that not everyone in this room is a Christian, which means if you are a Christian, you have some work to do. Don't just come here to have a better Monday. See the fact that you actually can talk about the gospel and maybe God would be pleased to save one of the unbelievers amongst us by your conversation.